dear Mr. or Mrs. Listener, we accept the fact that you're going to sacrifice a whole hour to listen to this podcast, but we think you are crazy. In the simplest terms, you see us as you want to see us. A Ninja Turtle, a Jedi, a Redhead, a Mike. Sincerely yours, Redhead Family Therapy Guy, and a Mike. Don't you forget about the bugger. You better listen this thing. Yeah, it's gonna be great. All right. <clears throat> Hello. We are back for another one. And man alive, am I excited about this one, Michael. John is excited. I'm excited. And you're here <laughs> with the Redhead Family Therapy Guy. And, and a Mike. A Mike. You're the man. Dude, I'm excited. Because I remember seeing the show back when it came out. Ancient, you know, a long time date, ago. 1993. 93. Oh, 93. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was later. And I remember watching the show and getting it and being like, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. This is about the kind of life you live and that how you live is what matters and that, and yeah. that life is a journey mm-hmm. to figure out the right way to live. Sure. You know, and I just, Oh, I mean, Bill Murray is in all of his glory in this show, which I, of course, have been a huge Bill Murray fan because I was a huge Ghostbuster fan as a kid. That was one of my most favorite movies as a yeah. kid. Um, and so, so yeah, I was so excited to do this movie and so excited uh, to talk about this show. And so I'm, I'm pumped, dude. It's a good one. Go. It's one that you can just watch over and over, and it's always good. How interesting. You can watch it. <laughs> <over>. <laughs> Again, take that comedic geniuses, and again, <laughs> you've got them. You've got them out, outmaneuvered. <laughs> yes, tenfold, <laughs> tenfold. But I was sad to listen uh, or to hear uh, yeah. that that uh, Bill Murray and Ramis had uh, a falling out over the show. Like, yeah, which is really is interesting because they've done a lot together. So they did uh, Stripes together, right? I think yeah, that's Ramis classic. Was in Stripes. Yeah. Uh-huh. They did Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters two together. They did. This this was their breaking up movie. Oh, uh, awful! Day. What a tragedy! And I feel like there's got to be because this more. is like great. Like this is. I mean, yeah. I love. I would. I would. This is like one of my most favorite. This is top ten for me. Easy. It's you know. I think. I think it's just. It's a classic. You know. I there's so many different types of like feelings and thoughts that come to me when I watch the movie and different things that I I think I get out of it each oh, gosh, time yeah. that I watch it. Yeah. But yes, this is their breakup movie. So oh, it's tragic. story goes, and you correct me if I get it wrong, John. Oh, yeah. Story goes that um, they're having um, Bill Murray and Harold Ramis were having some disagreement uh, uh, some what would you call that? Some differences of opinion on how to deliver the, the movie. Yeah, and yeah. and supposedly Bill Murray was wanting it to be more philosophical, and Harold Ramis was wanting it to be more comedic. And the end result was great because you An get awesome both. Movie. You get both yeah. a lot, right? I feel like I feel through. like you do. Yeah. So well, and I love. I mean, as a kid in '93, I loved the humor. Watching it this last time through, I was like, "This is a." deep movie because one of the things that struck me too is how much he plays out the different things that of how you see people live their lives yeah. indulgently narcissistically uh lustfully you know uh just there's all these different 
appetites that he yeah. tries to fill in the different days, you know, before he comes well, to... And, and not only that, mental health, right? Oh, my gosh. He goes through really psychotic episodes. He goes through... Suicidal suicide. phase. Yeah. You know, and I loved, I loved the idea that you can't die. Oh, I just I love the idea yeah. that like you're doomed to repeat it. Like Complete, suicide's not a way out, think man. Think about that. And 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 I can't remember my my cousin has been here and she has watched some movies with me. And I can't remember if it was her or my wife, but one of them said uh, asked this question, how many days do you think it's actually been? I think tons. I think hundreds if not no, thousands. No, no, no. I would go further because yeah. the fact like the scene that that strikes me in is um the one where he's answering the Jeopardy questions before they even yeah. ask and he knows say the answer. All of them. <laughs> yeah. And so what that was like, you know, that that's like how many days would it yeah. take just that, let alone like when he's trying to coach um I'm trying to remember her name, uh the the love interest, Andy the McDowell. producer the producer. Yeah. Um, where like where he's trying to get the perfect date. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh gosh, it's just so well, good. And to you know, interesting we're probably gonna jump around a lot in oh, this. Oh yeah, we can't. So much, yeah, but we have interesting to. I don't want to go linear so. is his God uh persona <laughs> where he's like genuinely like <laughs> He's it's genuinely so like funny. thinking. Where he's am just, I a god? Well, he's gluttony, right? God, that's like or? well, that's where he gets philosophical, right? Like yeah. it's the first time in the movie where he's like, like pausing and thinking about this gift he's been given yeah. or trap that he's in, and he's just shoving himself in gluttonous. And he's like, well, and this is after the suicide phase. He's like, mm-hmm. she's like, well, you're God. He's like, well, I'm not the God, yeah. but I'm <laughs> a God. I've got to be right. Something, and and that just shows. <laughs> That our minds, we want to make sense of things. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a, a kind of a paradox, a, a, a part of being human that gets us in trouble. How because, so, so we can't make sense of everything. That mm. Therein comes this God question of, is there a God? Well, if there's a God, why would this happen? Or why does that happen? We just can't make sense of everything. But our human minds want to yeah it's, it's definitely something that's fascinating right well in, i think but it's also a part of our genius it is and it's something that is uh you know laudable and and incredible that mm. there is this insatiable question and need and what lengths will go to <clears throat> what um you know how far Gro- we'll go well, and growth comes yeah. from that resilience right. can be built through that learning how to move forward even without knowing an answer mm-hmm. and i don't know how we got off on that tangent but but i think that's an interesting part of life is this idea that we we just don't know yeah. the answers to everything and that can really well, cause a lot of heartache. some of us know a lot of the answers yes. to yes. a lot of things yes <laughs> clearly i know a lot i mean why else would you but become John a therapist everything i mean why else would you become a therapist <laughs> unless clearly you would want to you know <laughs> so therapists and teachers Right, they want to bless their constituents. <laughs> yes, with, uh, constituents that's the, right the word, whole reason to become a teacher is to bless everyone yes. with the answers that yes. you've known. Whenever yeah, John comes over, whenever I see John, there's this like angelic music that just plays mm-hmm. as he walks in in bright light. And I'm like, Smoke Whoa. that billows across the floors <laughs> <laughs> as I walk in. <laughs> yeah, and then he teaches me. 
I, do, I, I condescend to, uh, to, <laughs> to your <laughs> domain and inform you of... I don't know all the answers, but <laughs> I, I desire either. to I know. know. I don't, yeah, too. <laughs> I, um, I just like the... <laughs> I don't know anything. <laughs> I've, I've oh, become, how very that's little what's do wonderful, we know. <laughs> that's what's wonderful about aging, because I, I don't think I thought I knew everything in my 20s either, but, but, um, but it's definitely fantastic that as you, know, as you get older... Um, you you really start to realize, especially when something like I wish I could remember. I had a realization recently. Something hit me, and I'm like, "That is such a simple answer," and I'm just now like my brain is collapsing all of the different you know uh, roads I've tried to go down to figure something out, and it's like it's collapses, and it's like that's the right answer. Well, like, maybe that's oh. somewhat the difference between intelligence and wisdom, right? Wisdom is realizing that maybe i don't know everything yeah. intelligence is thinking is, that yeah, you do know I do. or just know well, i was listening to a podcast today and i was really irritated um by this this guest um it was joe rogan and um this guest and how pretentious he was about the like he was making a case which i agree with mm-hmm. to a, a greater extent about rationality and mm-hmm. it, you know it, how much better all the human race would be or, or is when we're rational. So rationalizing without emotion. Um, I don't. I I was listening to a clip, so I can't justify that. I've seen okay. this. He's had this guest on before, but it, but it, and I was like, yeah, like yes, like let's use the scientific method. Let's and he was like making a case for data, and I'm like, yeah, there's something there. But like we as humans, like I, but I want like when, this is what I do when I listen to podcasts. I argue or I want to talk, mm-hmm. you know, to the people, and I'm like, yeah, sure, like we should use data. I mean, we are blessed by data, but also like. You know, what's fascinating and amazing about human beings has nothing to do. It's all about gut. Yeah. It's all about emotion. It's all yes. about experience, like art and music. Like, there's something about That's what makes data. our job interesting. Yeah, there's nothing data-driven. Maybe there is, but, you know, with, like, music, you know what I mean? Like, that's not, like, I don't, I don't want a data-informed uh, piece of music. I want yeah. somebody to play something think, from their heart. Yeah, you I know? Would think emotion is is really the the driving force behind creativity. But yeah. I, I I don't know if I'm a super creative person either. So I, I don't. Of course don't you are. No. But uh, um, Groundhog Day, dude. So I, I I mean yeah, this show just like I love it. I love everything about. It. So what was uh, what's one of your hmm. favorite moments? One of my favorite moment moments from so, the show. My, I, uh, I mean, I think what's interesting to me, at least this time around, is just kind of sinking in and, like I mentioned earlier, realizing that there, like, what is the, like, the torture behind having, the pain experience behind having this day after day after day, and he continues to move forward by finding meaning in different areas. And I don't, you know, and this is kind of what you were mentioning in the beginning, right, is is that's kind of the what what we look for in life is, is to find meaning into... Well, not everybody, grow. but that's what's so beautiful about the movies. Yeah. I think so many folks do get caught 
in the ruts that we see him. People get point. stuck in depression, and, and mm-hmm. unfortunately, with that struggle, it, 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 you know, they lose the battle. Yep. You know what I mean? And, and other folks do stay narcissistic and are self important and, you know, think they know everything. And, uh, you know, like he is at the BM, he's so off putting in the beginning of the movie, you know, yeah. in a way, but in a way that's endearingly Bill Murray, right? Which you still, like, I still like him, you know, even yeah, though, even though he's, he's like an a hole. So I mean, he's so, it's just so, because it's so, it's like so pretentious that it's fun. Like, yeah. it, cause it's like he even is a kind of, silly and i don't know if he's playing it that way or if bill mary can't help but play it that way but you kind of because it's always it's almost like oh that's so cute because yeah. he's like he thinks he's this big deal because he's like the weatherman for like <laughs> a st- you know a channel in pittsburgh or whatever it is you know what i mean it's like yeah you're not a channel. big deal right yeah. like that's like a submarket yeah right? exactly <laughs> you know what i mean and he's that's going a, to the the Puxitani. yeah Puxitani hill and you know that's a great point and and you know, that is something that I, I think, you know, I, I I saw is that, um, you know, he is able to move forward and to learn and grow because it's over and over. Because he wouldn't have made it that far. Yeah, what a great insight. Because he would have taken his own life, right? Right. He, he would be dead. Right. But he continued. And so I think that's kind of maybe what I, was, I didn't say that very articulate and and I went down a path that I don't think I was thinking, but that is this idea that resilience, right? If we, if we can try to have experiences and see that we can do them, then we can grow beyond what we thought we could. Now for him, his resilience was that he couldn't die and he kept waking up. Well, we don't have that resilience in life. We have to find our own ability to go through hard things and to see them as growth opportunities and to learn what, you know, what we can take from that. Yeah. Otherwise we do die. Yeah. And so I think that's something from the movie that was really interesting to me is this idea that because he wasn't able to die, he was able to build resilience and growth and so that's well, interesting. what choice what, what choice we, did he have he didn't have any that's choice. the thing that's really cool it's like it what is. choice do you have it's so like what like about either us? yeah either you develop resilience for mm-hmm. the tragedies and the stuckness of life like well that's just it i mean that's one of the fantastic points of the movie is like well you have to yeah i, I mean i guess or you'll die or be miserable yeah. or whatever one of the the moments that this time around because I, I don't i mean i've seen it i've seen it a few times but it had been a while and so seeing it this time around, the part that just got me was when, oh, it's so powerful, when he comes across the homeless guy oh, and and he's yeah. like, and he's not well or did he die? Maybe he found him and he was dead or, or something like that. And he was like, no, like not on this day, yeah. like not on my day. Like that to me was like the epitome and it was right after that, that he really changed, right? Yeah. That was what it was, like that realization of... You know, it's been about me. Everything's been about me. It's been about my indulgence, about what I could do, what I could get away with, right? That's the initial, like, when he's with the guys, it's like, well, if there's no consequences, we can go get smashed and you'll have yeah. a hangover tomorrow. Like, you can go do whatever you want. And, but that part where he's, I think it's after he's failed with the producer and being able to seduce her or get her, her to love him, or he's trying to get yeah. her to love him. And that's not worked. Well, I think he's just, 
kind of trying to get in her pants. Right? Well, I think so, but I, I think so, but I think he also like really Maybe liked her. I think it's a little bit of both, of for it. sure. Yeah. yeah, like you know, um, like but yeah, like it's like a conquest, but it wasn't he does just a conquest later for on that the first time I saw you. Yeah, he just right. couldn't really admit it yet. Right, right. or he wasn't mature enough, or he wasn't mm-hmm. mature enough. But there was something about her the whole time, right? Yeah. But so he's not able to, to you know, to achieve that um, and to you know, to have that conquest fulfilled. And so it's like after that's been defeated or somewhere in that, I think, you know, is where he stumbles across the, you know, the, uh, the, the impoverished, uh, homeless old man. And he's like, Oh, not on this day. And he takes him to the doctor and he feeds him and he like starts from the beginning of the day and he can't. And, and the one nurse is like, sometimes people just, it's their time, you know? Yeah. And it was like, that's when it was like, Oh wait, like, there is a time and I need, and I want to live differently. I can't save this guy. And then that's when he goes about finding all the things he can do and developing his talents for, you know, and, well, and it's so a... endearing who he, who he cultivates himself into, mm-hmm. you know, in the town and helping the life. <laughs> I love it when he catches the kid. And oh, out he's of the all, tree, yeah, yep. and he's all like, "You never say thank you." And he's like, "We'll see you tomorrow, maybe." <laughs> it's so great. It's so great. It is awesome. I, I, so I have a question about the old guy. I, you know, it really, I felt a lot of meaning then, also. Yeah, it, like it, it took me to tears this time. Yeah, and and he has this experience, and so he's trying to save him a bunch, right? But did I miss it? I, I don't remember anything happening with it. They just stopped talking about the old guy. Well, he so tries. It, like, there's this. I mean, he tries to feed him. He, he he's feeding him in the day. And he's like, oh, drink up as much as you want, like the soup. And then mm-hmm. he's with him at the doctor's. And I think it. I think the finality of it is the nurse delivering the news. Well, of, that like, was before because he's like not on this day. And then he uses multiple days to try to save him. After the nurse says that to him, and uh, I could be wrong. Like, I think happens. I think you might have it flipped, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I thought the nurse. I, I thought that was where it ended. That that stream of trying ended with I think the nurse's that's where message. It started. I, I could be wrong. Yeah, and that's I was confused by that. Like, so does that mean he just died and he couldn't do? Yeah, I think I think he had to surrender him? it. I think that that's where. The, I mean, to me, that's what I take away from that string so then, is that he surrenders and realizes he can't. So, well, what useful thing can I do? Because life is. I think it reminds him of the fragility of life. Life, you know what I mean? And the loss of life. Mm. And, you know, it wasn't just about him anymore, right? Because it, it became about somebody else. So then kind of the idea being what in our personal lives do we need to surrender that maybe we really cling on to and yeah. it's hard to surrender yeah. that, that will we allow us to, to progress forward? Yeah, well, that's a huge, I mean, that's such an insightful point, right? That we get stuck on things that we can't control, mm. things we can't change, people we can't change, situations we can't change. And it's so significant to me that his surrender, that that's the pivotal moment where he starts to make his life meaningful and he wants yeah. to make, because he, he can't with this old guy so well, who can I? Whose so, day can I make better? I can't. I can't. This old guy's gonna die today. So I want to make other people's lives better. And he's having kind <clears> of <throat> growth and progression along the way. But maybe, maybe greater growth comes from a sacrifice. Is that kind of the idea? When I give up something that's really meaningful or hard for me, then the potential for greater growth is present. What are they saying there? Do you think? Yeah, I I think I think growth couldn't happen until it wasn't about him. 
anymore. It, that's the first time it became about someone else. Hmm. And so that's where he moves out of like the narcissism, the indulgence, the what can I get out of making this day? What's wrong with me? Why am I stuck here? And then it becomes about, and it, and, and it, it's because the conquest is over because he like can't figure her out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And he can't figure her out because he's not the guy she wants to be in love with. Yeah. Like you knowing all the things and saying all the right things and doing all the things that I like isn't what makes me want to be with you, yeah. right? And and he changes into that person that she does want to be with. I, I love when, you know, when it's the last scene after she auctions, you know, wins him in the yeah. auction and, and like it goes past midnight and she's like, hey, you tricked me. And he's all like, no, you know, and she, you know, like, and, and, and then there was this whole idea of like, are you going to leave? And she's like, no, I'm not going to leave. Like, I own you. Like, you're mine. Like, he yeah. became the thing she wanted to be attached to, which was this guy that, like, saw other people, knew other people, and was engaged in doing things. He was gracious, you know, and self-deprecating, you know. And I think I, you know, something that is that I really enjoyed um, or, or something that kind of stood out to me was towards the end when – she like he actually wakes up right so there's mm-hmm. two separate times right there's the time where she says i like or no that's when she bids on him but there's a time separate than that where she stays over but then he wakes up and it's not fixed yeah oh yeah and that's then, that's when he really gets your great idea yeah that where he is changed but not changed enough that's great yeah i yeah. totally forgot about that arc right where where they just have a friendship because he almost i felt like oh you could have just ended it but they didn't end yeah the movie that's right that's because, absolutely right because they really wanted to hone in a point so what right. is the point you think yeah. that they wanted to hone in well, um, oh, that's maybe a good this point. is too philosophical. No, I don't think so sure. at all. No, I don't think so at all. No, I think it's just that his arc wasn't complete, yeah. right? So he was a fun-loving guy, and he, and it wasn't about getting in her pants. Yeah. Because in that sense, he was just being a friend. He just, he was just needed enjoying, someone. Well, and he just wanted to be with her, and yeah. they had a good night, and they're like tossing the cards, and you know, it's it's all good. Like it's just fun and warm, and there isn't an agenda. Yeah. Right. Like they're just I being think together. So. And and then you know so for me kind of taking that well, well I think I'm sorry no, so I think I think one of the things about that part is he hadn't fully changed right he was being I think that broke his narcissism and selfishness and he was vulnerable with her yeah and he said to her like I, like I need like it's like he's asking for her help like I need your help and she like not takes pity but is like oh and like oh he's nice and like he's not the guy that i yeah. thought and she's like well i'm gonna observe and let's see and that's I, why and the that, groundhog day isn't broken yet yeah right? and that's what i kind of i really like is in that first night um you know he could have maybe pushed for uh uh the love like, making, yeah, yeah, for sex, but yeah, but I don't, I don't think. No, I think, I think he had, I think I that, I think a level of change had happened to him at that point that it wasn't about the conquest, well, and he didn't need that for the affirmation that he, he was happy to just be with her at this point. Well, and I think what I love is that he's not had that change yet to where, where I, you know, I think he he could have pushed, but I don't think she would have. Right. But then at the towards the end after the auction when she's like I own you, she makes a comment like you just fell asleep last night. And it sounds like there's that change from 
from you know she probably wouldn't have to she would have been intimate yeah, with him yeah, but yeah. it wasn't but it, anything about that right, for him by right. the end yeah, and it i wasn't. think that's you know the story not that sex or whatever but well, the story is that he changed to it's not about fulfilling my immediate need. Yeah. It's not about me. It's yeah. about finding happiness, meaning, and connection with others. Not well, just her, but all the townspeople, yeah. right? Yes. Yeah. And well, and I think that that's a great um, – I mean, the fact that they, that they gave you the information that it didn't happen is significant because, you know, men that are of value and are going to be the men that you can connect with that are safe and that are useful – aren't the ones that that's the premier fulfillment is, you know, the sexual gratification of I'm accepted by you. And so you, you know, you accepted my invitation and we had mm-hmm. sex, right? I love that that is put off though. She, like you said, she did. She does make a comment that she would have, Yeah, you know, it um, seems like that. Yeah. I, I remember taking note of that as well, but I think it is significant that, that that's not what it was about, you yeah. know what I mean? Which is why it's a beautiful um, you know, fulfillment of his growth. Where I think if he were in the mind, like I think with the first time she was over, I think his reason, and this is maybe, maybe we differ a little bit on this. I think his reason for not pursuing her at that time was because he was too hopeless, not because he had changed transformed. Enough. I think he was changed he was enough. Hopeless I guess for me, depressed. I think for me, Oh, so you're saying he didn't go for it because he didn't think it would happen? I think it was just... I think just... he was hopeless in, in life in general, and he mm. was so hopeless with life and direction that he didn't... Like, he was like, there's no mm. no point in pursuing this. Yeah, for me, for me, that scene and the way that I read it now, or the way that I, I related to it the last time I watched, it'd be interesting to watch again, was just that he was content with the friendship. Well, he was content with the companionship. He was content with the fact that she knew she knew him and wanted to be with him and that they were having this just nice time together. So then that's a question, you know, if that's content, then why have it happened twice? That's kind of where I well, was Well, because I think because it's the next arc, right? There mm-hmm. is where he was like, okay, they didn't I need had a this bedroom scene like that to have the arc happen. They could have just had a good day and then he left her and they went, but they made it a point to have it in the bed. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what I'm wondering yeah. is, no, is no, there more you. to it yeah, than yeah, maybe. just that? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot to this movie that yeah, there I think is, a is lot. hard. You know, that's one thing that's hard about just seeing it once, right? Yeah. I think you really benefit, I think, from seeing it oh, gosh. over and over yeah. again. And I feel like that's kind of – a lot of the movies we pick are kind of those types of movies you where want to. you can watch them yeah. over and over. You can learn from them Well, I think time. that's when you know – um, entertainment good is good yeah. because there is more for you to gain from the story yeah. than you're going to get one time. I, agree. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I love Napoleon Dynamite. Actually, the other movie that uh-huh. gets funnier to me every single freaking time I watch it is Nacho Libre. I laugh harder. I, I've watched it. I'll have to watch it ten again. times. <laughs> I've watched it. No, you have to watch it more. The more you watch it, the funnier it gets. I'll have and to I keep well, I love Jack it. Black. Jack Black's one of my favorite comedic <laughs> actors. <laughs> before. I mean, Kung Fu Panda is one of my yeah, most favorite Kung movies good. ever. Which we'll do all these movies, but but yeah, I think that a movie that is has something to it mm-hmm. that is so eternally true. Yeah, 
you can watch it a lot because you know you're going to get something different every time and this yeah. movie definitely has those flavors to it so so me, um yeah tell me about so what are your thoughts about his uh um this i don't know the right term like psychotic part not psychotic's not the right where he really deals with a lot of emotion emotional health issues i, you, I you love, love the, the the car scene right that, oh gosh that yeah. is really funny where he stills Puxatani bill or phil phil, phil the, 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 the truck the, the first suicide yes. night the first suicide day where he's like I, well, i'm ending it i've had enough I've, i'm having a psychotic break yeah <laughs> well and you i love i love yeah i love of course how they again portray portray a uh portray a therapist like yeah. we're so clueless that therapist I, that was so clueless like yeah like yeah. when you don't even bother with therapists they're and, clueless and after after uh phil is filling him in on this what he might have perceived as a delusion, right? This this delusion of I relive the same day. His response is, "Why don't we meet again tomorrow?" <laughs> He's all right, and, and and Phil's just like, "Thanks." Yeah. Like that's case no in help. point. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're done. <laughs> and I'm then, done with you. And then earlier, the 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 I don't know if it was a psychiatrist or a psychologist. I can't remember if they're how they were. Uh, ordering, this, ordering this guy, the, yeah. the help he was trying but to But earlier, he's like, he, what did he say? Something like, well, that's not really what I do or something that's not... I can't remember what he said, but he he uh, presented as really incompetent. <laughs> the therapist. <laughs> yeah, the therapist. Yes. The yeah. therapist. And I just... That stuck out to of me. Of course. Yeah, like totally uh, insecure, odd-looking, yes. nervous, uh, uh you know really tentative in his suggestions you know what i mean yeah well, it was really i think doesn't uh, he suggest he should do something else or like he's wasting his time it's something, something like that's that. just like he's not get, like listening to him right. it, he like makes some and then and then it ends with well let's meet again tomorrow like doesn't <laughs> like it's like he's not paying attention to what right. phil is saying right which most therapists don't pay attention yeah I mean, yeah i'm sleeping half the time sure so well with my eyes open. So then <laughs> so then it's really interesting. Um, uh, I do think we, my do we, wife... Do we answer the question on your psychotic break question? What did you ask? For, uh, I'm sorry. I don't really remember what I asked, but it was something to the effect of just kind of asking about this mental health like segment. Yeah. Something that was really interesting, pertaining to that, something that was really interesting was my, I think my wife made a comment when we were watching of how cool would that be to be able to have like infant number of days to learn, grow, progress, like to do all these different things you want to do and you don't actually lose any time. And I sat there and I was thinking, I was thinking, I wonder, I wonder if it's kind of this idea of the grass is maybe greener on the other side type mentality where we think, oh man, it would be so cool if this happened or if I had this or I had that. But maybe it really, I mean, obviously Mm -hmm. for Phil, it's torture. Yes, it is torture. And I wonder if that's kind of this idea that we as humans, when we're in a place um, of of, uh, just being human or or maybe a place of discomfort where we, we think, I wish this, or I wish that, or I, you know, it'd be better if this were that way, or that that way. But, but how often do we see people that take steps to make that happen? I think of like someone that has a good job and they leave that job for a job they think is going to be better, and then it ends up 
not being, being horrible. So. Yeah. Well, and that grass is greener on the other side. I don't know well, if that's, that's part of it or not. But yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, that's that's what he explores, right? I mean, he explores. Um, I mean, that's the first thing he like. The first thing he does is like the indulge mm. in the seduction of you know the the actress that's the blonde or whatever, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, the the lady that he finds out, <laughs> she obviously like like rejects him, and he's like, "What is your name? Where'd you go to high, high school? school? <laughs> what was your teacher's name?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Mrs. Brown. Yeah, English. exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic, yeah, but no, it doesn't satisfy. No, and right? and that's true, right? I mean, that's the thing that's so wonderful about them exploring the different um, fulfillments of the repeated day or you know what I mean is like none of those things truly satisfy they they don't satiate the the part of us that's human they they don't allow you to have a great day they don't allow you to kind of enter heaven you know what i mean like it is yeah. a hell and it's fantastic though you know one of the ideas that really strikes me is how at the end of the movie he's like let's move here you know it's like this yeah. place that was his hell this place that he didn't want to go to yeah. this place that he thought was beneath him and antiquated you know becomes this place yes. that he wants to be it becomes his heaven yeah. right which i think it's fantastic that there's this notion of creating heaven on earth or, or creating heaven in your life and that you can do that because of who you become yeah that can, regardless it's not the place or the circumstance or the situation it's right your it's you perspective. it's how you change yeah. it's how it's what you value it, that you become angelic that you become this useful valuable uh, contributing giving person mm-hmm. right and and it's it's it is it's so fantastic how the movie explores you know, this evolution of realization of yeah. what isn't a fulfilling life. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that, I think it was really pivotal. I think, I think one of the reasons why I love this movie so much is I think it really hit me when I saw it. You know, it, I, I must have been a senior in high school. I don't remember what month it was released or whatever, but, or maybe it was at college, uh, my first year in college, but, but I remember it really striking me of like, oh, wow, like, because I think I'm very sensitive to, um, repetition and boredom like I, I think I have a strong need for novelty and interest and and growth and change my wife and I were just talking about this in some aspects of, of life and and what's presenting itself to us right now and I'm highly you know my wife sometimes will say to me are you looking for a crisis she's like I think you know you grew up in crisis like you're comfortable sure not in horrible crisis but things not being settled because we've got a lot of stability in our lives right now mm-hmm. and there's a part of me that that's gets very bored with that yeah. you know what I mean or feels bored and I think that 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 really struck me seeing this movie and I think it was an important movie in my in my life because it it hit me so hard that it's so important to make life um, and it felt so right to me, um, the story and that message of that that's a way I need to approach life. Otherwise, it is just going to be a Groundhog's Day. Well, I think I think we all, uh, I think for the most part, we all live Groundhog Groundhog Day. Well, you have to because we have you, our well, repetitious you have to have, you things, have to. right? Well, I mean, there's a certain. I mean, you. I mean, maybe there are people that can live fascinating, um, you know, chaotic lives but i mean you know if you're going to have kids yeah. you got to have i mean you, you got to have some modicum amount of stability you know you yeah. got you got to have something consistent that you know you can provide for. i mean at least i needed to have that sense of like i have a job and i can provide for my kids yeah. you know and so like you need some stability if you're going to have a, at least a family on some level i mean there are t- tons of people i suppose that have no stability that have families but yeah, but i mean fine. if you're going to have you know 
at least uh, satisfying or feel like you're yeah. any good as a parent. You've got to create some predictability. And we know that you know healthy early childhood development is highly correlated to, to certain levels of predictability. Sure. And so, yeah, I mean, there's going to be aspects of life. I mean, uh, college felt like a groundhog day. I mean, you yeah. know, jobs, I, I, I got stuck, you know, uh, I worked at Walmart for a time. Mm-hmm. And oh my goodness, freaking gracious, <laughs> that is not, I can't, I'm not the guy, I worked in the freezer section, and uh, I'm not the guy that can stock a freezer yeah. every night for years on end. Well, I, I think that's do maybe why we, we gravitated towards a profession where There's it's novelty. constantly different. What we do on a daily basis has a lot of routine to it, but rarely is a session the same as the next. There's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of thematic things, yeah. or you start to see storylines, or yep. or or generalized uh, like attachment, right? Yep. Something. I mean, I, I can't imagine a therapist, you know, being at work over ten years and you don't start to appreciate the importance of uh, a secure attachment, young early child, you know, early childhood development, yeah. and the need for it to feel. Uh, confident and like you have a place you belong, right? I mean, we need, well, and even we're in, wired for that, you know. Even in our, our work where we have, you know, everyone's unique and, and people have different stories and different different things they've gone through and that provides a lot of diversity. Even within that, I feel the same thing at times where it's like, ah, I need a change, right? I need something different. And, and sometimes you find yourself kind of thinking, oh, maybe it'd be better if I do this or better than if I do that. And maybe forgetting what I have mm-hmm. in front of me. Yeah, that's an important, you know, that's a really important thing to to realize, to appreciate, and and to accept. Yeah. Right? So what part of this movie did you identify most with in his struggle? In his struggle... Um, was there oh, an aspect? I don't there? know. You go first. I need to think Oh, I don't know that. if I had an answer. It was just a question. Oh, okay. I don't mind. know. <clears throat> was there a particular phase that he got stuck in that you related to? or, or? Uh... I mean, I feel like he wanted, you know, in the beginning, I feel like it was more of a just immediate gratification. Like he was just trying to fill what he wanted. What he th- his narcissistic self thought yeah. he wanted or was him but being awesome or good. he or goes through a transition to just wanting to be accepted. And I feel like that's a theme that I've felt throughout my life where I felt, I felt like I'm not acceptable. And so I yearn for that. And I feel like that's, you know, part of what created that hopelessness for him. And from my point of view, that first night she was there with him was he, you know, the friendship night. Yeah. That hopeless type feeling is I'm not enough. He wants that acceptance. And I feel like, well, and there's definitely validity to that, that point because he goes to pursue greater cultivation and development yeah. into a more full person. Right. Yeah. So there's a part of him um, that realizes that he has her friendship and connection, but there's this other place he wants to get to, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Or needs to get to maybe, or, or maybe he just wants to at that point. Maybe he's like, Oh, this was a great day. And, I've got a window into who I want to be. Yeah. And and maybe it's like the attachment that he gets from that moment that really gives him the courage yeah. to explore and pursue that that part of himself, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, she inspires that, you know. I um I think the part that that I really identified with and and probably still do. I think initially for sure the part that I identified with the first time I saw the movie was this notion of not being able to get the girl. You know, of not being the guy 
that is the guy that attracts the girl that I want to be with. You know, and I think I deeply connected with with that. Yeah. Um, as a you know seventeen year old kid, or whenever it came out that I watched that that there is definitely uh, my experience was there were girls that I valued or I I saw as uh, you know what I wanted to be have attachment with, and I wasn't able to be the guy that they would notice or see yeah. or value. I think that for sure was That's a part that a- really resonates. Yeah. And and even still, to some degree, did this time around. I mean, I'm definitely more well adjusted. I'm definitely more emotionally mature. I, I definitely have confidence. I definitely feel pretty good overall ish with who I am as a person. But there was still an inkling that I can I kind of recalled. And I love that yeah. part of the movie. I love the part of the movie where he's you know getting lessons. I love the part of the movie where he's running around and helping people and helping the kid and you know and all of that. I think that's a great point. And it's interesting. You know, Bill Murray is a great great actor Mm -hmm. and i think he does the role great but it's interesting they cast bill murray from like what you're saying because i think i i get a sense of that too of maybe feeling you know like i i'm not enough for the girl or i can't get the the girl and and obviously i got the girl in my dreams i did too yeah but you know i think of bill murray being cast and i kind of thought that a couple times like he's so like at some point so like acts like he's so confident in himself and and makes a comment like a, even at one point i think that he's like a gorgeous guy but yeah. bill murray is not, <laughs> not what i yeah. characterize as right. a gorgeous man no um, yeah. his face you know is is a battered. little more homely yeah it's battered <laughs> well it's like it's like been through the ru- it's yes. like been through the ringer yeah. right yeah and i think that's kind of how i feel right. like what you're saying right yeah. i feel like I, i'm not weathered yeah so it's an interesting point and and it's interesting that they cast Bill Murray for that. And I mean, Harold Ramis and him, of course, are great friends. Well, until um, this movie. Well, yeah. And, and that's an interesting thing, too, is is I, from my understanding, it's like they, they didn't, don't speak again until Harold's well, on his deathbed. Well, it's interesting. They didn't learn the lesson that the movie was no. teaching us, right? Isn't yeah. that fascinating? How yeah. paradoxical is that? I mean, how many other great movies that's could they have crazy. done together? And they do a movie about repair and growth, that's a and great they point. end on a on a separation. They end on a on a schism. You know, well, that's a, that's a great point, and it makes you wonder what could have possibly have been done or said that would cause years upon you tens of years yeah, they must have really said some hurtful things to each yeah. other you know their friendship and must have been right. they didn't learn from their own movie <laughs> maybe no. they never watched it again because they were so upset and they forgot <laughs> yeah, what it was about it wasn't the way they wanted it to be or or whatever but it was a great movie well i mean and i love i mean because any of the attempts to do that again there's you know the day after tomorrow is like an action movie with the tom yeah, Cruise one, which tom i really love that movie that's too a good one, yeah and any uh, sci-fi is good but right yeah, and then one. there's another one called um the map of tiny perfect things which there's i haven't seen but my, my daughter these told types me about, of like movies or or there's a TV episode, right, on a show. They've redone this a bunch. And that was kind of my question. Is Groundhog Day kind of the originator of this Unless there's, Unless I'm just not as as well. But I don't know of any other story that had done it before this. It was definitely a novel. I don't really know either. Yeah. Um, That'd be an interesting thing to to take a look at and do some research on. And so this this right argument of differences – um, I think played out well because I think there's a good balance between philosophical and comedic. You know, I yeah, feel like I think it so too. has this good yeah, it's, balance it's too that makes interesting. the movie what it is. It's too it's interesting that 
they seem to have struck a balance with it. I mean, I love the com- I love that it I love that it is comedic yeah. and has the weight of the philosophical. So it's interesting because it seems like the fact that they both wanted that yeah. made it a great movie. Because yeah. had it been less philosophical, I don't think it would have been as good. And had it not been as funny, I don't think so it would have been as good. Paradox upon paradox. Yeah. If they wouldn't have had this whatever disagreement that caused them to never talk again until Harold Vilnadip had, would the movie has been, I don't know. been as good yeah, as it is? Yeah, we don't know. We know it's a great <laughs> show. I mean, it's just a fantastic show well, where it stands right I now. I think right? about that. If it was just a comedy and it had less, I don't know if it would be as rewatchable. Yeah. Because there's other ones that I feel, I, I feel like, or there's other epi- like TV episodes. I know this is not, Groundhog Day is not the only one. And definitely, no. um, the Tom Cruise one, Tomorrow. The Day After Tomorrow. The Day After Tomorrow. It, it no, sorry, Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow has that. But <laughs> but I feel like, um, yeah, it, it is the best one I know as far as. So what is one of the moments that you, that, you, that you think of as the funny, one of the really fun moments? Well, I mean, there's his whole, so the scene where he's walking past the old guy that he eventually tries to save that whole where he's always scene, like <laughs> yeah where where he he has that interaction where he's looking for money and then he he has the interaction with the insurance salesman guy <laughs> and then he has the pothole <laughs> oh, part a doozy yeah <laughs> that like holds to do it play times. out over and over the different ways they handle it that is funny to me yeah i, but, I love how he finally shuts him down where he uh yeah. where he hugs him and loves and, on him yeah hey, acts like i've he's got some time wanting to have he's a relationship <laughs> <laughs> and then the way that that guy runs away just cracks the like his run. I don't the he had briefcase to, at the yeah. side and he's just running hard, getting away as that best he could. Is classic. It almost reminds me of like a Napoleon Dynamite run situation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now that I, I like, but I think maybe even funnier to me is when he steals uh, Punk's Tani Phil or whatever his name is, and he's driving with them. <laughs> don't drive angry. <laughs> <laughs> and then look he's driving all over. Out to and the then left. he just drives off the cliff with them. Look look to the right. <laughs> slide, just slide. Just well, the said. fact that they show Punxsutawney Phil. Like, like just driving the car. It's so, okay. so fantastic. What that about is. you? What was Yeah, your... that, that, that part, you know, because it's tragic and, I mean, and that's what's yeah. really fantastic, right? Because it is this really horrific place that he's gotten it to is. that he's broken by being stuck and he can't, make any sense of what situation is and so even though he's in the stuck day the only way out is death and the fact that they make that hilarious yeah well um, is fantastic it's so brilliant that they take this thing that's so heavy and hard and i mean it's tragic that he's breaking and that he's like well there's no way other than this i'm not going to live through this anymore i'm going to end it and And then goes through a series of ending it and i love so those are funny the ending it parts the toaster in the the toaster in the in the The bathtub bathtub and what are the other ways there's a couple other ways that they make the toaster in the bathtub i mean he jumps off the building yeah he jumps off a building falls off the building really being funny no that that wasn't serious that was more serious um and there I can't remember was all the ways he tries to kill himself. Another one I thought they showed. He there lists is. some, but they don't yeah. show them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I love so the Punxsutawney Phil part. I love what the dial like the, what he's doing. But I think what kind of wraps it up for me and makes it really probably the funniest part or mo- scene in the movie is the dialogue that Andy McDowell, uh, the lady, the love interest, and 
the guy from Shit's Creek, he plays the mayor in that show. Oh, yeah, yeah. That. Yeah. The guy, the dialogue they have after it goes off, and he's like, oh, before the truck blows up, the Shit's Creek guy, mayor guy, looks at her and's like, oh, he he's probably he probably survived or he probably he's probably okay or something like that and then it blows up and he's like yeah, yeah that's right probably not yeah that's hilarious i'm, I'm looking at the picture so chris elliott oh chris elliott yeah, chris like, yeah when he's like oh he probably survived and then it explodes yeah, and he's, he's like, all like nah, not <laughs> so, so that much. scene like that the way they wrap it up hilarious is awesome. yeah yeah um, yeah a fun side note so the it's filmed in woodstock illinois oh yeah which is just uh are you like kidding a northern we should Chicago. totally go do a Oh, we should have cool. done a road trip if I would have known it. Is that far? How far up? How far oh, up is it? Far. Oh, it's up here. north. It's not south. It's well, it's south a Illinois is not Chicago. Oh, okay. Because South Illinois is not far from me. No. Well, yeah. South Illinois to Chicago is it's super. What, yeah, it's like five hours. Five or yeah, six. It's yeah, super. Yeah. And it's a. It's like a north. A west suburb, kind of. It's a far suburb of Chicago, um, and uh, our friends in Illinois, they're. Uh, uh, his parents lived in Woodstock, so we were able to oh, go there. Oh, that's so yeah. cool! Yeah, it's really cool. But that's well, just like I'm, I'm trying to think of I've I've been to Puxatani. Like I feel like maybe I've been through there for some reason. Yeah, you know, in Pennsylvania. so Puxatani is in. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, it's, it's in, in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. I feel like I've been through there for some reason. I don't well, know why. I wonder of how. Course, I wonder every how year it. Everyone goes. <laughs> yes. I love the festival. Yes, all, the festival. I mean, those people are having a good time with they're, Groundhog's they're Day. Like, that's up. a party Groundhog's yep. Day, dude. Like, they're serious <laughs> about that party that they're having on that day. Um, I, yeah, I, I'm trying to think of what my funniest moment. I think I definitely laughed hardest at that, That this, this, ironically enough, the, the initial suicide scene. Um, yeah, what was the initial suicide? I don't remember. No, it's it's the it's the it's the truck blowing up. That's the, the oh, that is yeah. yeah okay, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then you have the the toaster and the jumping off. Maybe yeah. it was just those three then. Yeah, maybe that was the only way that they portrayed. But he does talk. I, he's like, I've you know, I've died. Yeah, he said like hanging himself. himself. He mentioned like a couple. Yeah, and that when ones. he's glutton, when he's engaged in gluttony, yes. he's shoving Twinkies just like <laughs> just immense amounts of. Of, uh, of food down his, his gullet. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I I mean, those ones strike me as kind of the big moments as well. I remember that just that whole beginning part of the you know movie, just loving and thinking it was hilarious, you know? Well, I think that the, the arc of the story is good, right? It takes you through really just a whole, a vast um, array of... Array. of yeah, and I think it's probably realistic to um you know what i think would happen you know i think that you would probably most people probably would go through a period of just kind of experimenting doing whatever you could and then getting to the point where you are suicidal yeah right I think uh, when I was just looking at my notes here, I think one of the things that really is significant part of the arc as well, if you remember, is her um, resuscitating the poem, The Wretch. You know, I think that that's one of the part of what plays him into how much he realizes he needs to change. Refresh me. There's some part, I think, after he's engaged in gluttony Mm -hmm. that she's talking with him and she quotes the wretch and he kind of laughs, but -hmm. it's a complete commentary on what he is. Like, you're a wretch. You know what I mean? And I think that there's some realization from him, from her, right? Because because he, I mean, from the, the end part, the friendship 
day where he's like, I've, you know, I've, I've loved you, you know, yeah. ever since the moment I laid eyes on you. And so for him to be defined by her as a wretch is the most yeah. unlovable thing is, I mean, that is, they, they put that dialogue in as he then, you know, goes yeah. forth and changes, you know what I mean? That's a great point. And I, I was going to like look up the poem or whatever, but I, I never did. I thought it would be fun to like quote it or whatever, but I, I didn't, I didn't do it. But, but yeah. Well, I think it's one uh, that this movie is one that kind of goes deep, right? There's just so many things that I think you could pull mm-hmm. out of it. And what makes it great is that Harold Ramis is able to do it in a comedic way mm-hmm. um, so that it's it's l- laughable, likable by general audience, mm-hmm. but also has yeah. some real Yeah, I mean, that's the it. genius of the movie that I yes. think we've pointed out that they really, maybe in their push and pull of, of how to do the scenes or whatever it is they were arguing on really hits it. And I think that that notion, um, it's, it's interesting too, as a part of that change, I think he says something like, well, the other thing that it's interesting that that a lot of the catalyst for change is delivered through Rita's character, because another Who's another Rita? that's the love interest. Oh, okay, okay. yeah, the producer. Mm-hmm. She says to him at one point when he's talking about something, she's like, "Well, it's all at how you look at it, Phil." You know, yeah. and then that's when he starts to look at his, you know, like what would you do with being stuck in a day? And she's like, "Well." How could you, you know, there's a, there's a, another, I think she says silver lining. Like there's a, there's another way you can always look at it. You can always turn this into something else. And so she's the catalyst, the wretch. Yeah. There's a different way. Like she's the, the. From the get go, right? Yeah. I love her opening scene where she's playing in yeah. the blue screen yeah, yeah. where her, like her sweater's blue or whatever. So all you can see is her head right. and she's kind of giggling. It's yeah. so innocent it's and lovable and, and likable. Yeah. yeah. She's just a kind, warm, angelic person. Right. And I, I love in that scene where you see in him for a brief second, you see in his facial expression, genuine, I think, attraction. Like in that opening scene you're talking about, yeah, it's Mm -hmm. not just seeing her more, not just an objective attraction. It's like a genuine emotional attraction. There's some depth to her. Hey, I like that. She can just be playful, and then it goes away. Right, it's only there for a second, and that's what he draws on. Of course, at the end, when he's talking to her, or whenever he's talking to her, and she's asleep is that yeah i think she first, falls asleep first one and that might be part of it too is like when they're being the friendship part and and i think he does right she falls asleep and i think he says like i love you yeah and, you know and you're everything and uh, you know I, I don't know how to tell you this and i think is there an admission in that scene or or did i just read into it that he's saying like i'm not good enough for you to love yeah i i, I think i remember that too that he says it yeah he he says something like you're you're all these wonderful things yeah. and i'm not i am a wretch yeah, you know, there's like that realization. And I think that's also again a part that's of the a catalyst. Good point. Yeah, the catalyst that gets him to go out and start a making point. a better of himself. Right, I'm not lovable, so I need to make my, I need to yeah. transform myself into someone. And there's real truth to that. You know, it's it's a really interesting dichotomy to be stuck in as a therapist, where you you know, where you want someone to get out of shame mm-hmm. and see how they're a person of value. Yeah, but. People also do need to change things about themselves to be a person of value. Yeah, you know what I mean, and to be a person that's worthwhile in their family, it's worthwhile in their community. Right? It is. It's it's yeah. it's a paradoxical place to be stuck because you don't want people coming out of therapy or thinking that you know participation trophy. Like you're just great because 
you're here, but yes, you have value in that you're a human and that you're here and you need to be valued, but you also need to cultivate something that's useful for your family and your so community. I see it kind of as you have shame and then you has you have resilience building, right? And so if you can try to approach it from this perspective of can can you go through experiences uh, you know and see them as not defeating but as growth like a growth mindset as resilience yeah. building yeah then that that's where you can promote the progression part and still focus on the shame right mm-hmm. and 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 I think the balance for me is not so much of they need to um like be, be something, something or do something yeah, to have value. But they need to look at what they're experiencing. I need to get them to view it in a framework of this is an opportunity for growth. Right. And I think if if you I think each of us in our lives, if we can view, you know, kind of where he ends up right. in a growth mindset, yeah. a resilience mindset. Well that's mindset, what it takes, right? It it yeah, it helps. Just like you well, said, it t- that's what it takes to be well, defeat well, it's interesting. the shame. Yeah, it's interesting too because you know you don't want a big baby man, you know. That's yeah. you know. You don't want a big baby man that yeah. that is a cancerous part of a family, mm-hmm. like a borderline that just sucks everything out of everything. Sure. Right? That's not useful. And people make boundaries because they can't take it. It's too much. Yeah. Because there does need to be some recipro- reciprocity in healthy relationships. But babies, you know, in one respect, are useless. You know what I mean? Like, I mean. They re- they require all of your resources sure. and more to get to a place where they start to become useful and competent and capable, and then there's the seed for incredible greatness, right? So, but babies have a, so much value that though they don't contribute anything, but let's say joy in the yeah. potential, um, we'll we'll jump in front of a bus for. Yeah, and that's a noble act, and and who can't? Anybody that has any salt in them can't sit by and let an innocent small uh child individual or child yeah. or kid mm. um you know die there is why you know. he keeps rescuing the kid that falls out of the tree right right even Maybe. though he know, it's even though it's thankless <laughs> yeah, right, right it's like of course of course i don't want this kid to break his yeah. neck you know what i mean and so so it's really right it's really interesting yeah. so because even though in adulthood you need to be a useful person to be useful and have value there's still that baby inside there, right? Like yeah. they were still a baby once. You well, know what I mean? think and the are, baby or part, and even when you look at, at like different personality disorders, I, I think the baby part maybe is just an extreme desire to feel acceptable. Absolutely. Because you didn't get it. not, yeah. Because you didn't get it, right? Yeah. I mean, you're essentially stuck in that stage because mm-hmm. you didn't get or you didn't internalize. Didn't perceive it. Yeah. Right? Well, you might not have gotten it, but yeah, or yeah, yeah the both end is a exactly. part of it, right? You know, parents might not have been there or, yeah. you know, or, there or enough. The way you perceive that right. in, in interaction. No, I don't, I don't know. Do you think a not perceived enough would be a borderline? I think that. I mean, if somebody is so incapable of attachment, contributes to. But but if if they're that attachment injured, haven't they probably had a 
parent that really struggled to attach healthily, or there could have just been trauma or oh, a tragedy. Oh, you're saying a perceived? I, I, okay, yeah. So, so I don't know. I, I'm guessing if if borderline, because borderline, you know, is pretty extreme. I'm guessing there's probably not just perceived trauma. Yeah, that's what in I was asking. Life. Yeah, yeah I agree. that it, there would have I to agree. be more going I, on. I, in my experience with clients I've worked with borderline, that's what I've seen is that yeah. there's more than perceived trauma. Yeah. Yeah, both are devastating. Both are devastating. Yeah, but but I definitely, I definitely. And how interesting is it? How interesting is it that with difficult social situations, it's the human experience to assume that I'm not lovable. Yeah, isn't that interesting? I mean, isn't it really fascinating that that's the universal? I mean, I've been a therapist for you know 13, 15, yeah. somewhere you know years in there, and always the place people go to is I'm not lovable. Yeah, it's core in all. Isn't of us. that interesting? But we all, but we all know that we love babies. Yeah, I mean, there are some people out there I suppose, that don't love babies, but like you know, I mean, I love little children. Well, They're adorable. It kind of goes along with that common thing of uh, you know a lot of times. I'll ask someone, hey, if someone you knew were exhibiting some some similar behaviors as you, would you be able to forgive them? And, and or would you feel the same way you feel about yourself? And and ninety-nine percent of the time they're like, No, I'll forgive them. But yeah. they can't forgive themselves for the same right. thing, right? It's it's, it's so it's interesting. Really this, and and you it's can interesting go, that we can't carry that within yeah. ourselves to that we can't internalize that or you know, isn't it it's isn't it fascinating that the mind universally comes to the conclusion that I'm not of value. I mean, is that, you think that's just an outcrop of our culture or we're wired in such a way that if we don't get the attachment we need, we assume that we're not of value? Well, I do think there's religious reasons for that okay. in yeah. addition to, sure. to biological reasons for that. Yeah. But, it, you know, from the biological standpoint, I do think that the way that your prefrontal cortex and limbic system interact, I think the way that your central nervous system engages your amygdala, right? Your fight or flight part of your brain. And the I cultivation that that, of the sense of self yes. through that early childhood development. Yes. I think that amygdala plays a big role on self-view in correlation to your central nervous system reacting. Because when your central nervous system reacts, that's your body really cueing in to danger, right? And then your amygdala makes sense of that danger in some way. And I think for well, us, usually the a commonality... Ca- usually a catastrophic way, right? Well, I think the common... Yes. I think the commonality, the ca- catastrophic sense that our amygdala makes, because most so maybe of us that's are not like in just immediate an outcrop, Like that's an outcrop of the fact that the first experiences we have with fear, we don't have a fully developed frontal cortex. And so that those, because we can't make sense of the danger, um, we internalize the most significant or the most likely outcome of the yeah. danger, of death, of separation, because of rejection. Because that's what rejection. our amygdala is for, is protection. Survival. Right? But, but a survival for response. most population there's like there's not a lion there that's going to eat you right when you're a perceived line yeah it's a perceived line it is and so i think that what happens is our amygdala since it doesn't have like we don't have those 
I don't want to be insensitive, but like the real, like the lion that's right there going to eat us. I think that the danger is, is that I'm not lovable. Well, I'm I think, not enough. That's what, what becomes the rhetoric that yeah. pings the central nervous system and the amygdala and becomes the truth for well, all of us. Well, and it's, it's really interesting because it seems like the physiology, our physiology is as such that we perceive being relationally and emotionally cut off is worse than a lion you know i mean it's it's much more devastating yes. to be relationally isolated and i think it's well, because well i'd rather be dead than be alone yeah i mean isn't, that's isn't profound that, right isn't that what leads to yeah suicide to, yeah yeah well and i don't want to be limited no no i understand of course things, absolutely a, one a aspect yeah. is i would rather be dead than alone because it's so painful it to is. be alone it's so painful for the attachment injury and and the emotional belief in the moment of the stress is that it will it will it will always feel like this yeah and it will only get worse yeah which of course is literally never true but but it's true in that moment because yeah. our amygdala and our central nervous system is responding make it true yeah just yeah. like if there were a lion right there next to you yeah it feels as real as that right which was so cool it was interesting i was listening to podcasts with um jewel mm-hmm. man she is emotionally intelligent dude she might as well be a therapist for as much time as well, she's spent. Well, her music seems pretty emotionally uh, Well, uh, and fueled. to listen to her story, I mean, her interview with Joe Rogan is really worth listening to because mm-hmm. her, gro- her development and the wisdom and the way that she overcame her demons is so fantastic. And she talks about in that interview being like 14 or 15 and uh, you know she's singing at bars her her mom had left i think and she was with her dad and her dad became abusive oh. after the trauma of of the separation or whatever and or them splitting or whatever were the details that happened there and she's sitting on and i think she had been accosted i don't think she had been sexually abused or anything she doesn't i don't remember her explicitly indicating that but she she talked about that she wanted to die and she was sitting on a dock in this small alaskan town and she sat there all night you know contemplating dying Mm -hmm. and she saw she sat there so long that the tide came in and the tide went out wow and she said that it struck her like oh i'm in intense emotional pain but it won't like look around like it won't last forever like there's a time and a season and she's like she just sat there and it was like the tide came in and it went out, and that was the beginning of how she started to cope, which is with huge. with her attachment injuries and trauma. Was I just have to breathe through it? And then she talks about how she left there. She went to this art school. She ended up in California a couple of years later, and she was living on the streets. And, mm-hmm. and she talked about how she was stealing and she was having panic attacks all the time. And she 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 kept drawing upon that metaphor to slow down. And you know how she cured herself of panic attacks Mm-mm. was writing. That's awesome. She would write through. And she started to become curious about her emotional triggers. And cool. she started to identify her emotional triggers. And she started to identify how she had to heal herself or she engaged in different behaviors and relationships. And, and that's where she started writing and singing, you know, well, and it's really to process through. It's just like, oh, my goodness. Well, there's know? research that shows, you know, working through through trauma, uh, there's different writing exercises that are really good for yeah. working through and processing process, trauma. Yeah. Well, and the interesting thing is is when you look at trauma or when you look at PTSD, that's under the anxiety umbrella. And Absolutely. so you look at panic 
in writing, it would make sense that yeah. there'd be correlation. Well, there. yeah, I just thought it was so cool to hear somebody so organically yeah, come across it. Well, engage in their own treatment modality that is a proven treatment modality. You know what I mean? Well, I think the other interesting thing is. I think from an outside perspective, oftentimes we see someone struggling with something or experiencing something and we simplify it to, that's not a big deal. What's the issue? Of, well, because of our experience, yeah. Not realizing that for them in yeah. that moment, it's, it's the as hardest. real as it yeah. can get. Yeah, yeah. You know, your hang up and the thing that's most difficult for you is not the thing that's yeah. most difficult for me. But right? that doesn't make it real. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's, I think, where we, from an outside perspective, and to help heal ourselves, can strive to be understanding empathetic well, well i think it's right. also one of the opportunities that really allows us to compliment compliment one another as humans because if the thing that is most difficult for me you've negotiated well and if the thing that's most difficult for you i've negotiated well then our relationship i i can teach you yes. how to manage that and you can teach me how to manage mine and that's really the beautiful opportunity in relationships and friendships to, to if you can have the maturity and the courage to discuss those things. Well, and it brings, you know, I think it brings emotional health. It, it brings um, uh, a, a more balanced, uh, uh, really a balanced attachment or secure attachment for you. It brings happiness and meaning. And I think that's what we see with Andy McDowell's character. Is it Rita? Is that yeah, the, so yeah. that's what we see with Rita is she is well adjusted loving she cares like when 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 phil starts telling her about how he knows everything she's skeptical but she doesn't just walk away yeah she doesn't she listens well and he is a total narcissist and she's like still giving him a chance you know what i mean and i think that that's where we can maybe take a role is that when we're seeing others and we don't understand the pain and it doesn't like we think well what's the big deal right if we can find a way not only can we heal help in someone else's healing process, but I think we can create peace and comfort in right. ourselves. And I think well, that's why she's happy. Yeah. Well, and well, and one of the reasons why we typically will reject is because there's something that we see in someone's sure. insecurity that we, that we feel that we feel really uncomfortable yeah. with. And so it makes it really real. Or we don't know how to help the person in a more extreme symptom that we know yeah. ourselves how because we don't have the answer. So it's like, yeah, you're more extremely down the road of dysfunction. Yeah. But I don't have the answer for that either so i don't i can't help well, you well you know? and really the answer 99 percent of the time is is not anything you need to say yep. it's just to be there yes just to well, be there yeah which is yeah which is why i love and I'll, I'll throw it out not to be preachy but i love the the phrase of the of the beatitudes of mourning with yeah. those that mourn because yeah. i think that that's the most healing thing you can do yeah and know, how is, do you do that you be there and you listen. You just don't have to say fix, anything. You don't, well, you don't have to fix it. Yeah. Even, just, even it. just being there and putting a hand on someone's shoulder. And saying, I don't even know how to overcome this. This is so incredibly yeah. and hard. This That's so validating. Hard. It's one of the scenes that I love from About a Boy. Oh, yeah. The the, the one British with, guy. Yeah, what, it's Hugh, got... Yeah, Hugh... Whatever no, not Hugh Jackman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not yes. Hugh Jackman, but it's the yes. Hugh guy. Yes. The British guy that's... In a bunch of movies. In that bunch era. of love movies. Yeah, yeah, in that time period. And he Must says um, he says to the boy, like he comes in, and, or the boy's talking to him, and he tells him about finding his mom, trying to commit suicide. 
and uh the about a boy guy says just says f you know what i mean he's like yeah. freak you know what mm-hmm. i mean but he uses the f word and and how the boy's like i don't know why but that made me feel better yeah you know because it's like he was like it was validation of like holy crap yeah. like i can't even imagine what that is like trying to you know negotiate uh coming into your mother ha- having attempted to commit suicide yeah you know what i mean and, and it's just a validation like that's all it is you know what i mean and, and that that's connection yeah. right like that's the 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 development that happens in the relationship in that movie which is a really cool i love that movie we should that is a good one. one yeah there's so many we could do we will give us enough time keep listening week by week <laughs> keep listening and every other week you're gonna get You'll well get every week you're gonna get one for years We'll never be able to do it. Well, they make, they make more movies every day. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, we got so many good ones you're coming You're stuck up. with us. <laughs> well, if you choose to listen, you're stuck with us. <laughs> That's true. You so by choice, listen. you're stuck with us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we become the oppressive podcasters? <laughs> you're going to wear these headphones. You're going to listen. <laughs> Tyrann- tyrannical podcast. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. It was good, though. I enjoyed it, and this this we kind of we chose this kind of with the intent of a new year being our New Year's yeah. episode because this is thinking about you know new starts yeah right and 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 really looking at um, you know what you know and I don't I don't think New Year's needs to be a time for this but it and, naturally but, is but yeah and I think it's it's looking at um, you know how can how can I maybe find a little more meaning. In my life, there will be peace, I... comfort to me, and, and maybe peace and comfort to others. And I think that uh, this is a great story to so, show so much change in someone. I mean, he's a completely different person by the end of the movie. And and, and the way that change happens, yeah. and the way that it doesn't, the way that you build your tolerance of discomfort. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? It's it's such a fantastic... And I actually want to watch it again after yeah. our discussion. I have that experience a lot when we were talking, when we were talking about Family Stone in our interview oh, with your yeah. cousin. I want to be like, oh, I want to go watch it again, because mm-hmm. I think I missed some things that I was really enjoying that you guys were bringing up, which is what's so great about stories. Yes. And know. great about the movies that we... Most of the movies we talk about, I don't think we've talked about one yet that I haven't watched multiple multiple times. And that's, you know, that's the thing with these yeah. stories is they're just fun to watch over. Yeah, and over. And you get a just keep more learning, each time. keep laughing. Yeah. So hope you enjoyed it. Thanks hope you enjoyed all. the bod podcast. Happy New Let Year! Let us know what movies you want to see. <laughs> like, share, comment, engage us, and awesome. uh, have a great New Year. Adios, people. See ya.